It's Monday, August 14th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians are off on Monday after uh, salvaging uh, a win in the series finale against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, they win 9-2 on Sunday after losing the first two games of the series. Uh, really, they, they probably could have come out of that series winning uh, two out of three, uh, but uh, Tanner Bybee comes through with a big outing on Sunday. And the offense uh, really sort of uh, showed up and and uh, gave them what they needed to to get a win in Tampa. Yeah, they uh, really kind of avoided the sweep, Joe. They jumped uh, Zach Eflin, uh, one of Tampa Bay's better starters, a 12-game winner. They jumped them early. You know, uh, it all started, I thought, with Stephen Kwan's 10-pitch at bat, leadoff at bat in the first inning. He grounded out, but uh, it really kind of set the tone for the rest of that lineup. Jimenez, you know, hitting second, comes up, and the second pitch he sees, he hits a home run. And he said, you know, seeing, uh, you know, seeing uh, Kwan work, uh, work Eflon for 10 pitches really helped him. Then in the second inning, they scored three runs. Then they just two more in the third, two more in the fourth. You know, they were rolling, and uh, they got, uh, you know, Eflin out of there after three. And, uh, you know, it was no contest after that, mainly because of Bybee, you know, stopped uh, Tampa Bay from scoring. Yeah, Gabriel Arias with a, a long home run, uh, Oscar Gonzalez with three consecutive doubles. Uh, the offense really clicked in, uh, you know, in the sort of the, the last game where they'll be without Jose Ramirez, who was uh, serving his suspension. Uh, I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, Tito sort of told Jose, hey, uh, with this suspension, you know, get out of here. Don't be around. And, and, and sort of you didn't have an all-star break. You didn't uh, have those days off because uh, because he went to uh, Seattle to represent the club. Uh, so go, you know, take some time, get away and, and reset and recharge. Uh, and, and Jose had been, uh, you know, struggling a little bit. Maybe this will. Uh, sort of uh, kickstart him for the the remainder of the season. Uh, you know, he has good numbers against Cincinnati. Yeah, he drove in 10 runs against the Reds last year in their, uh, you know, season series. And he has been struggling in August, Joe. I think he's hitting like 150 in August. Uh, you know, not too much pop. We haven't seen any power from him. So, yeah, maybe uh, this will give him a, a chance to recharge, like you said. I think he went back to Cleveland and uh, for the weekend, and he's got the off day today. So we'll see how if that uh, invigorates him. As far as uh, the offense yesterday and uh, everything pretty much going uh, Cleveland's way, Tanner Bybee, you mentioned, uh, he's been just dominant over his last 10 starts. Yeah, he's really, really, you know, really efficient. He is uh, 7-0 with a 2.09 ERA over his last uh, 10 starts. Um just, uh, you know, last, yesterday, what, seven innings, two, two earned runs, no walks, five strikeouts. Um, just, uh, you know, and like, it, and every start is, you know, you, you're seeing so, so much consistency out of this guy for a rookie. It's really impressive. Almost every start is the same. You know, he's controlling the strike zone. He's not walking anybody. He's staying away from the big inning and the big hit. Uh, you know, just, uh, really an impressive performance. Now, just copy everything you said uh, right there about Tanner Bybee uh, and paste it in for a, a summary of what Gavin Williams did on Saturday in five innings. Uh, he was also uh, pretty dominant with 10 strikeouts uh, again after, you know, coming off a performance where he, where he struck out 12 and went seven innings 
uh, in his previous outing. Uh, just how good has has Gavin Williams looked in in his last several starts? You know, uh, uh, Saturday was really impressive, Joe. I mean, you know, going you know his previous start before that seven scoreless against a good Toronto team with twelve strikeouts. Yes, but uh, you know, doing that uh, Saturday, we only went five, but one run. 10 strikeouts, and I, I like the way he did it, Joe. I mean, he, yeah, he leaned on his fastball as usual, 56 fastballs, uh, topped out at 99 miles an hour, an average velo of 97 miles an hour on the fastball. But he kind of changed, you know, kind of changed tactics, flipped uh, 20 curveballs up there, really kept the Rays off balance. That's the most we've seen him use his curveball. And uh, th- that looks like a big pitch for him. Uh, you know, Francona said he could have gone out for the sixth inning, but they want to protect him. They feel he's a big part of their future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I'm Gavin Williams and if I'm looking for any reason to be uh, confident going out there against uh, in any start that I'm, I'm I'm making here, you know, for the rest of the, the season, you know, just look back at some of the teams that he has faced uh, and, and and started against. It's not like he's going up against Detroit and Kansas City every time, as as sometimes a, a Cleveland rookie pitcher can maybe maybe build their confidence and build their resume uh, against teams uh, that that aren't as strong playing in the division that they do. Uh, yeah, sure, he's made a start against Oakland, a couple starts against Kansas City, but he's also faced Atlanta, Texas, Philly, Houston, Toronto, Tampa. These are all teams that they're running him out there against as a 24-year-old rookie, and and he's going out and, you know, at, at times he's dominating some of the best lineups in baseball. He's doing it, like you said, with his fastball lately. It's, you know, if, if, I, if I need to ever... If I'm Gavin Williams and I ever need to, to just, you know, stop and reset and think back and, and, you know, build on my confidence there, just look at that line. Look at those lineups that he's gone through and, and been effective for the most part against. I mean, 12 strikeouts against Toronto, 10 against uh, Tampa Bay. He, he struck out, uh, you know, you know uh, what looking at the, the line, Houston six and in, in five innings. Just uh, you know, some some pretty good uh, hitters that he's faced, and he's he's dominated for the most part. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Saturday had 19 swings and misses, and Joey's got a little bit of sense of humor that I haven't that I hadn't seen a whole lot of. Uh, you know, when we were talking to him after Saturday's game, there was a cameraman. You know, and he was trying to you know get the camera up to get to uh, take a shot of uh, Gavin, and Gavin's so tall, the guy's six six, and uh, the the cameraman was having trouble, and Gavin goes, "Hey, you want me to give you a hand?" Like I don't know if he was going to lift him up so he could so so he could shoot get the shot or what, but it kind of cracked me up a little bit. Well, Gavin's post games have been, you know, marked by, uh, you know, uh, very brief, very quick uh, post game interviews. Uh, his answers are are not the the deepest, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the team, and, and you know, pretty short, pretty punchy. But uh, it's good to, good to see that he he does have a little personality that came out uh, uh, there in that little interaction. Uh, the the story from uh, Saturday's game, of course, is Emmanuel Classe. Uh, blowing the the lead there in the ninth, the 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 um the Rays actually rallying and and coming back and and, and you know winning the game on a Randy Rosarina walk off. Just what have we seen uh, out of Emmanuel Classe over the last couple of outings? And and you know this is a guy that 
you don't have many options behind him or around uh, if if you need to close a game. So uh, Class A is the guy they're going to go with. Yeah, Joe. I mean, the guy, 31 saves, which is great, but nine blown saves, which is not great. I mean, I think he's leading the American League or tied for the, the American League in saves and blow, and leads all of baseball in blown saves. And if you think about it, and I know it's not fair just to blame one guy, but if he saves – four or five of those blown saves, they're, they're tied uh, with, with the Twins or close to it for first place in the AL Central. And, you know, that's the life of a closer. And, you know, Joey just, uh, you know, they had a 5-3 lead going into the ninth inning uh, against the Rays, and uh, he's throwing 102 miles an hour. And just, uh, you know, like we've seen time and time again, you know, when a guy, he, he gets beat on freaky, soft, you know, soft contact he's not you know i mean uh yandy diaz obviously you know doubled off the top of the center field fence in in that in the ninth inning you know to drive in uh, the first run of that game first run of the inning you know that was hard contact but the rest you know just kind of you know a a grounder up the middle a a chopper to short you know kind of a rosarina floated one out to right field you know no one's stinging the ball but they're making contact and uh, when they do, you know, it, they're finding holes. Yeah, and, and that's the frustrating part is uh, it, it's almost like he's he's executing. It's just that things aren't the, the breaks aren't going Cleveland's way. Uh, he could execute a little bit better, I think. I, I think yeah. part of this is, you know, his, his first his first time through or, or last season, uh, his stuff just sort of overwhelmed hitters. And that's not happening now. Uh, he's not just beating people with the the 102 mile an hour sinkers and uh, you know a, a real sharp good slider. Uh, he's he needs to execute now in situations and I don't think he's doing that as much. Uh, he hasn't been as sharp uh, in, in those situations and uh, you can't give up a, a leadoff hit to the to the first batter of the ninth inning. That changes the entire inning if you're a if you're a closer when that leadoff man gets on and especially then if you know, Class A is not able to hold him on base, and, and he hasn't been uh, throughout the uh, the season. Uh, you know, guys are stealing bases at will against him. It's another big aspect. Uh, these rule changes definitely impacted uh, Class A, and, and uh, you know, it, there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done uh, maybe in the offseason if that's the, the case for him, just to, to get sharper. Uh, but, again, it's hard to simulate. Uh, you know, game speed and game pace when, you know, it's the offseason and, and working on things. So uh, who knows? They, they, they're they going to need to run keep running him out there and, and keep trying to get the most out of him because uh, they they don't really have a lot of options behind him. Yeah, uh, you're right, Joe. Joe, one more thing that, that has me concerned. Uh, he didn't want to talk after the game, after he blew that save over the weekend. And that, that when a closer doesn't talk, you know, wasn't doesn't face the music. Uh, you know, after a blown save, um, that that reminds me that that's a bad sign to me. I've seen it happen too many times. I flash back to Jose Ramirez. I mean, Jose Mesa when he went bad, and uh, you know, we had the troubles with his as a closer. You know, that's what happened to him. And you can't hide in that job. You got to be out front. You got to stick your chin out, whether you're you're saving games or not saving games. And uh, you know, so we're gonna have to watch that and see if that's a red flag or not. Well, and even when, uh, you know, James Karinczak, uh, you know, blue saves or had, had bad yeah. games or, or whatever, he, he he stuck around and he talked too. So 
you know, that's, that's, uh, I can understand being upset about the way things went. And, uh, even going back to last Sunday against the, the White Sox and, and the way that that, uh, you know, game or, uh, you know, that with the, with the couple of errors by Brian Rocchio, uh, I could see, you know, not wanting to talk in that situation because you did your job, but, you know, when it's on you and, and you don't talk, that's that's kind of a problem. Like, I, I agree with that 100 uh, percent. The Guardians are set to reactivate uh, Tyler Freeman from the injured list. Uh, he will join the club in Cincinnati. Uh, and uh, Jose Tena, I guess, is is uh, heading back out to the Clippers uh, in Columbus, where, you know, he'd only appeared in a couple of games or, you know, had been only called up for uh, a day or two promoted from Akron to Columbus. So. Uh, he'll get a chance to settle in there after uh, sort of a cup of coffee with the uh, the major league club. Yeah, saw Jose coming out of uh, Francona's office after Sunday's game. Usually, you know, that's a pretty good sign that uh, he's getting sent down. Uh, so that's the move. I, I liked I liked what Tanya did, Joe. I thought he swung the bat pretty well. You know, they trusted him at shortstop. He played. Uh, he didn't. You know, he didn't. You know, he made all the plays at shortstop on on the balls that came his way. Uh, just another guy to uh, in the in the uh, you know in the warehouse in the stock in the uh, you know in the stockpile of short middle infielders to to keep an eye on. Well, you talk about that uh, stockpile and the you know uh, we were talking here before we started recording about uh, you know the former players the former uh, uh, Cleveland players that are now either playing for um, Tampa Bay or at least producing in, in some way uh, for. Uh, the Rays there, he started obviously with Yanni Diaz, uh, a deal that uh, brought um, uh, that, that brought Carlos Santana back to Cleveland. Uh, but, you know, in, in that deal, they they got, I believe, Jake Bowers. Yeah. From Tampa. And, uh, um, you know, Yanni Diaz is the one that, that they shipped out to uh, Tampa. This is a guy who could win a batting title for the Rays. Yeah, he's turned into an all-star. He's turned into, you know, he's turned into a hitting machine. You know, he's he's a guy that kind of, uh, you know, when when Cleveland had him, you know, he was he was, uh, you know, pretty much a, a right field hitter. You know, line drive hitter. He had trouble lifting the ball, uh, getting the ball in the air. He's, you can still see that's that's the way he's kind of built to hit. But he's driving the ball a little more now, Joe. Uh, he's made himself really a, a big, big hitter, a threat, you know, more than more than anything. A, really, a, an offensive threat, which would look good in Cleveland's lineup right now. Yeah, how how could they, uh, you know, how would he be? Where would he be positioned in Cleveland's lineup? I think it would be uh, right behind Jose Ramirez uh, in in that uh, batting order. Uh, and also, you know, a guy like Harold Ramirez, sort of, uh, he was with Cleveland for a couple of seasons. Sort of had, uh, you know, found a, a second or third. He's like the the cat with nine lives. Uh, <laughs> this is on his fourth or fifth life in in baseball, but it's with the uh, the Rays right now. And uh, he comes in with pinch hits and and you know really produces for uh, that lineup. Yeah, professional hitter, uh, terrible outfielder, maybe the worst outfielder I've seen at least in his days in Cleveland. Couldn't go back on a ball. Couldn't go in on a ball. But he can hit, you know, so uh, they use him well. They they use him at the DH and, uh, uh, you know, Kevin Cash, you know, you know, knows how to get the most out of him. Uh, the one of the players in the lineup uh, this weekend for 
uh, Tampa was Luke Rayleigh, uh, and this is a local kid. Uh, I believe he went to, to Highland High School and, uh, you know, Lake Erie College. Uh, this was a guy in Cleveland's backyard, uh, and, and boy, he's he looks like he's built to be, a, you know, a right fielder, a power bat, a guy that, that could produce in a, in a big league lineup, and he certainly did so against Cleveland this weekend. Yeah, his family owns a tree tree cutting uh, a business, I think, in Elyria or somewhere, you know, like that. And uh, big tall guy. He's got 16, 17 home runs. He's got big power, Joe. Uh, he went to Lake Erie College because that was the only the only place that gave him a, a scholarship. Lake Erie College is right down the street from me in in Painesville. So uh, <laughs> that's weird, well, man. You never. He was- you- he, he was in your backyard. How could you not tell the, Cleveland, the Guardians that, that he was there? I know. I, I, don't, I don't get How it. could I miss that? Well, I, I mean, this is a club that, uh, you know, you look at the minor league uh, rosters in uh, Tampa and Junior Caminero, who's, what, the sixth-ranked uh, overall prospect now uh, in baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. Uh, Caminero was a, a former, uh, you know, Cleveland farmhand that – was basically given away in a trade for Tobias Myers. Uh, this is a trade that will probably go down as as one of the worst in in Cleveland history. If uh, if Caminero can come up and do what he's doing in the minors, uh, he had a big weekend, hit a home run over a scoreboard in a, in a minor league stadium, uh, three home run day, something like that, and and uh, he looks like he's going to be a, a a good one. And meanwhile, Tobias Myers is out of Cleveland's minor league system. Uh, after a season where he made 14 starts at AAA and had an ERA over seven. Yeah, this this trade is driving my son crazy. He keeps calling me every day about it. Uh, <laughs> Caminero's hitting 322, 21 home runs, 69 RBIs between A ball and Double A. And like you said, Joe, he had the big game uh, Saturday for Double A Montgomery, three home runs. The last one went 472 feet. Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, we were talking to Mike Chernoff in uh, back in Houston uh, and we, we mentioned uh, Junior Caminero's name and and the, this look sort of went over, uh, you know, Chernoff's face. And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, sometimes you you miss on on trades like that. And and that's really what happened with the, with this one. Uh, I think a lot of people who follow the uh, the prospects and the, the minor league uh, dealings are, are really frustrated about that. I want to remind our listeners uh, about Subtext, our subscription uh, texting service. Uh, you can get all the latest from Paul and myself from uh, Tito's pregame and postgame interviews to uh, what's going on in the locker room. Uh, it's $3.99 a month, and uh, you can subscribe by sending a, a, a text with the word subscribe to uh, 216-208-4346 or log on to cleveland.com slash subtext. Uh, for more information or to sign up there. Uh, Hoinsey, uh, I, I went through all those names of the, the, you know, the former Guardians players or the former Cleveland farmhands or whatever. Uh, and, you know, it sort of reminded me of uh, today's Immaculate Grid. I know it's, uh, it's a new sort of thing. Uh, it's really sort of sweeping baseball and uh, people who follow baseball by storm. Uh, we haven't really talked all that much about Immaculate Grids on, uh, on our podcast, but you know, I wanted to mention today because uh, today the, uh, the the Guardians are featured in the Immaculate Grid along with the uh, the Rays and uh, the Yankees, and I believe the Nationals are are also on there, uh, but they're not one that intersects with the uh, with the Guardians. 
Uh, did the Immaculate Grid today with the, with my son. Where we both sat here and sort of racked our brains a little bit uh, about it, and it was a, a lot of fun. Uh, so if I if I throw uh, Guardians and Yankees out there to you, who would be the uh, the first player that that you would think of, or who would come to mind uh, that intersects with the the two of them? Uh, you know, as as far as uh, you know, a, a choice for your Immaculate Grid. It would have to be uh, uh, Roger Maris. That, see, and that's the one that I got, and and it was uh, a, a really low. It was a really high percentage. Uh, it was, or it was a really low percentage. It was like a zero point four percent. So yeah, that was that that one. But you could go David Justice. You could go CC Sabathia. You could right. go Cor, Corey Kluber. There's a there Aaron are Boone, uh, Chris Chambliss. 268 common players between uh, the, the the Guardians, Indians, uh, and and Yankees. So yeah, I, I mean, just even if you wanted to go back to uh, not even uh, you know a lot of not, not even going all that far back, uh, Jake Bowers, Josh Donaldson, and uh, Greg Allen all within the last you know yeah. th- you know three four years. Uh, but but Jay Bruce as well. So. Uh, it's always interesting when there's a when there's the Cleveland uh, square on the the um, the immaculate grid. Uh, but there's 75 players common between the two teams with uh, Tampa and Cleveland. So I thought, uh, you know, try to try to come up with a few of those as well. Yeah, well, you know, obviously what Jake Bowers, we we, we were just talking about mm-hmm. uh, uh, like uh, who else? There, was a, mean, there was a top prospect uh, that was you know, a, a, a former Cleveland top prospect who uh, actually I think he's on the injured list right now uh, as a catcher. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Francisco. Yeah. Um, Mejia. Yeah. Francisco Mejia. Sure. Sure. Jordan Luplo. But Jordan. Uh, the the guy that started the game on, uh, on, on, I believe Saturday, uh, yeah. Sean Armstrong. Uh, yeah. And pitched. Aaron Savali. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's a very recent one as well. Uh, Yu Chang, Yu Chang is on the yeah. list, but, but if you wanted to go back, obviously, uh, you know, Tampa doesn't have a very, uh, you know, long, deep history, but, uh, Paul Sorrento played sure. for both Tampa and, uh, and Cleveland, uh, Albie Lopez, Herbert Perry, Julio Franco, uh, Danny Baez, uh, you know, the, the Russell Brannion, all, all guys that uh, that appear there. Uh, and, and a guy who's going to be making an appearance in Cleveland on Saturday right. and be inducted into the uh, the Cleveland Hall of Fame uh, for for the Guardians and Indians. Uh, Manny Ramirez did play one season uh, in uh, in Tampa Bay, uh, played five games, but uh uh, yeah, 2011, he, Manny Ramirez. Yeah, then he got banged in for PEDs and retired. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Roberto Roberto Hernandez also on the uh, the list. Uh, was he uh, Fausto Carmona then? Or I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it says Roberto Hernandez. It doesn't say anything about Fausto Carmona. So uh, also very interesting. So when the, but but my favorite parts of the immaculate grid are the the ones where you have to intersect like the stat lines the, the this one has uh 200 hit seasons uh for batting uh since 1953 there have only been what uh four uh Cleveland players that have had 200 hits in a season uh can you can you since 1953 uh since 1954 really the last one was Hal okay. Trotsky in 1953 so give me four different players who have had 
200 hit seasons uh, for Cleveland uh, since 1954. Joe Carter, mm-hmm. Car- Carlos Baerga. Carlos Baerga did it twice, 92 and 93. 200 hits. Bobby Avila? No, uh, not, not since 1954. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, I'll give you a hint. They're both outfielders. That's, Sizemore didn't have 200 hits. Nope. I, I give. Okay. The, uh, the obvious one should have been Kenny Lofton. Uh, oh. He had 210 yeah. hits in 1996. Yeah, how could I miss that? And, and the other outfielder was Michael Brantley in 2014. He had exactly 200 hits. Really? Uh, in I, his I age 27 season. So, I uh, that. Dr. Smooth, Kenny Lofton, Bayerga twice. And Joe Carter in 1986 had exactly 200 hits. Uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, the other, the other part that I, I, I like, or the other part from this grid was uh, the 30-plus stolen base season that intersects with a 200-plus hit season. Yeah. And and that one we've already mentioned his name, but it should have been pretty easy. Uh, Kenny Lofton uh, had uh, obviously had probably several 30-plus uh, stolen base seasons. Uh, in his career, and did have that 200 hit season, so uh, he made my immaculate. Was, everybody was everybody was picking Ichiro for that square. I picked Kenny Lofton for that square, and I got a a, a decent rarity score. Was uh, did Carter? I know Carter did 30 30, but I don't know if that was the same year he did he had did 20, uh, 200 well, hits. I don't think well, that was. I, I think it's it, it wouldn't matter if he did 200 hits in, a, in any particular season and 30 you know steals in another oh, yeah, season. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, he would he would probably even be a more rare scorer than Kenny Lofton, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he did. I think I think I don't think he had he did 30 30 when he had the 200 hits. But yeah, I'm the not one sure. the one that screwed me up was uh was the the Nationals intersecting with the um the the Rays. It was hard to get a. Uh, he was my last one. I I, I got uh, um, Nelson Cruz Jr. and that was the one to go in there. So uh, a lot of fun. If you haven't uh, you know picked up on Immaculate Grid, uh, it's a, a fun little game. Uh, fun. I, I, we we spend a, a little bit of our time in the clubhouse just sort of uh, comparing scores sometimes uh, when there's when there's no, uh, nobody available that you're trying to talk to or you know you're sort of standing there. Uh, you, you just sort of show your phone to. Whoever's standing next to you and said, "Hey, here's my uh, my immaculate grid score. It came out pretty good." So, uh, yeah, a lot Mike, of fun on Mike, that. Mike Sarbaugh turned me on to that, Joe. I didn't know about it until he showed me it. Well, we were in the dugout the other day, and uh, Brandon Kanky, the uh, the groundskeeper, uh, he was sitting there, and we were, uh, I was talking about my my grid with uh, Jim Rosenhaus, and Brandon Kanky sort of uh, you know jumping in with his suggestions on some of them. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was another Yankees one. He uh, he sort of knew uh, knew a bunch of the Yankees players, so it was fun to get uh, Brandon's take on it as well. We'll uh, we'll have to do uh, we'll have to do some more research to see who else is into it uh, around the team and and as we go. All right, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll be back uh, hopefully before uh, tomorrow's game uh, Tuesday. It's a weird travel day uh, with with Hoinsey driving down to to Cincy, but we'll we'll try to get you a podcast in before game time. Uh, here and uh, Hoinsey will uh, will check in with you then. Good deal, Joe.